Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. When I started researching our guest today, I was sitting at my desk by myself and literally said, yes, girl, out loud by myself. Uh, Reading about her got my adrenaline pumping because she is a true boss lady. Jackie Porter has not won one, but two female trailblazer of the year awards. She's a certified financial planner and financial advisor. And this is what got me really excited. She's the co-author of a book called Single by Choice or Chance, The Smart Woman's Guide to Living Longer Better. Jackie is here to talk to us about the importance of financial independence for women everywhere. Welcome, Jackie. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for the awesome introduction. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm, I truly am really excited about this conversation. So why don't we dive right into it? And can you tell us about why financial literacy is so important for women? Yeah, I think, um, you know, women have unique challenges, right? Uh, first and foremost, we live longer. We yes. end up spending so much of our lives making less money than men. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're in you know 2021, and we still are not pay at pay equity. And you know, considering that we live longer and we make less, and then you you also put on top of that that we tend to do a lot of the unpaid work in a relationship. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. in relationships because it's not just in marriages; it's also potentially in family. So we, we take time off to have children. Um, we do a lot of mental, emotional labor around doing things in the home, cooking, cleaning, you know, taking care of the home, um, all of those things, you know, we're doing for free, right? right. And, then, and then when, you know, we're in this really interesting time now where we're, we're watching our parents age as we age and our children are also, um, you know, growing up. So if you're that woman who's in that sweet spot, of the book is about, which is between 45 and, and 65, you're, you're taking care of aging parents often, especially if you're the single one. Right. An expectation. And again, um, it's unpaid work. So if you, if you put all of those things together and then you, you put on top of that, that the financial industry hasn't bent over backwards to help us get educated around money. We don't learn around money in school, about money in school. Uh, We're in this scenario that unless you came from a family where money was discussed, uh, chances are you don't have a lot of potential uh, confidence around making money decisions. And, you know, I find with my clients and I have conversations with women who are on their own all the time or women who are in relationships, and we tend to abdicate. We tend to abdicate responsibility mm-hmm. for the things we don't want to deal with. Right. <laughs> so one of those things is money. So we're like, let someone else deal with it. You know, it, it could be um, an advisor who speaks a foreign language when, when they talk <laughs> to you about their your investments or retirement. And, 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 you know, you might already have this sense of, 
this is something I'm dreading because I don't understand it. So then somebody's talking to you in what feels like a foreign language and you totally tune out or, or you just abdicate. You go, okay, fine. Let, hopefully they know what they're doing. Right. Um, or it could be a spouse that you do that with as well, or you just avoid dealing with it altogether. And all of those things could potentially mean that you get to that stage in life where you had to have saved for retirement. So you're 60 or 65 and you just don't have enough. And it could be, any host of reasons. It could be, you know, um, the person who you abdicated to didn't do a great job right. or, you, or you were divorced and, you know, got left in a scenario where you have way less finances because you didn't make much money um, as a, you know, we were not at pay equity. You didn't make much. You expected your spouse to take care of things. They not only walked away, but they did a horrible job of managing your finances and now you're on your own. Right. And so you, you throw all those, those headwinds together and you've got quite the hurricane. Right? <laughs> so, so now it's it's you're in the stage of your life where you didn't. And that's really what my book's about is you didn't expect to be on your own as a single person. You're on your own. You didn't save enough for retirement and um, you're just not prepared. You're not prepared to manage your finances because it was intimidating. And you never you never thought you would need to take responsibility. So I'm here to say embrace taking responsibility for your finances. Even if someone else is managing it for you, it should never be something you just like abdicate completely. Like you just leave someone else to deal with. Um, right. They should be checking in with you, whether they're your spouse, whether they're your advisor, they should be making sure you're completely in the loop about your money. And that I think is, um, it's almost indicative of blowing up that fairy tale that we were all told as little girls, go get married, go have kids, do all of these things. And life is just going to be this beautiful thing. Now, That's life right. is a beautiful thing, but it is very different than said fairy tale that most of us were told when we were younger. Absolutely. And, and some of the realities, right? Like if you think about fairy tales, right, That's Often when life is just beginning and they lived happily ever after, what yeah. does that look like? What that's does that mean? Because <laughs> yeah, that's like after the honeymoon, then yeah. what happened? Yeah. Right? And, and truly, that's when life really begins. So if yeah. you consider the fact that, um, you know, so many marriages, like over 50% of marriages ended in divorce mm -hmm. and that um, the fastest rising demographic of divorcees are, are basically retirees. There are people in oh, their well. 60s, silver-haired okay. people in their 60s, who at the time of their life, when you would expect that they would, you know, they'd be anticipating retiring on the beach together, those glossy brochures of walking sure. on the beach. Different actually, fairy tale. <laughs> they, they are actually splitting up. It's, it's, it's kind of like the case of, you know, um, the kids leave empty nest. They yes. relation, you know, unfortunately, people's lives sometimes after children just drift apart and um and then and, and then having all this time so all of this to say like you're in this scenario now where you're in retirement not financially feeling secure about your retirement not having what you thought you'd have thinking someone else would take care of it and I, again i'm here to say um you know assume that at some point in your life you're going to have to take responsibility for your finances so why not just embrace it and feel good about it and arm yourself with information to, to make positive and beneficial decisions for yourself? Absolutely. And you think that's um, a little bit about, you know, we've talked a little bit about, touched on the, the sort of traditional role 
that women play and that um, we tend to lean towards avoiding finances and, and that kind of thing. How do we how do we go about challenging that mindset for ourselves and how did you do it and dive into an area that is traditionally male, male dominant, like financial planning? And well, that's a very, like a big question. I mean, how, <laughs> did I, how did I dive into dealing with money on my own? Kind of is a, a longer story because I kind of got thrown into it at a really early age. Um, okay. I've been on my own since I was 16. Um mm making financial decisions at a really, really early age, just because my mother passed away, you know, and, and that's actually, wow. I say to, to people who, when I write the book, I said, you know, I've been suddenly single because the, the women who don't financially expect to be single at some point, I'm not saying expect to be single from a romantic relationship, but no. managing their money perspective, right? right. Um, if, if, I had a scenario where I became suddenly single and had to manage my finances myself. I was on my own and my mother passed away. I was making a lot of adult decisions at 16 about, you know, keeping wow. my on in my house. And mm-hmm. the bill. I was living with a roommate. At one point we shared a bed that we slept in, pay the hey, bills. Do what you got to do, right? <laughs> and you know what? It's funny because people saw us doing that at an early age. And in my twenties, people just seemed to think I knew something, right? Like they'd ask me <laughs> questions and ask me for advice. And I just thought that was, amusing because I just knew how to, you know, to survive. Right. And that was kind of like my foray into financial management. It was kind of like trial by fire. (laughs) And, and really what I, what haunted me throughout my teens and early twenties was this fear of being on the street and not being able to pay my bills and not having a backup plan. I was my backup plan. And really that drove me to be really, really good at being frugal and not spending a whole lot of money and really actually um, being very resourceful as well. And kind of the person who always wanted to have a backup plan and a backup plan for the backup plan kind of thing. So, um, you know, later in my life, when I finally like, so this was me working three jobs in like through high school, university, and just juggling a lot of things. So who knew that that was all the skill sets you needed for an entrepreneur? <laughs> I that's, certainly did. That's a kind of beautiful way that life, universe, God, whatever sort of supported you. I mean, on this podcast and Encourage in Action, we talk a lot about um, turning adversity into possibility and like, you know, having the courage to do things, even though you may be fearful of it or you don't know what's happening. So you are actually the living embodiment of that your story yeah, I didn't know that and there was no social media for me to feel bad about right. myself I just had to live I just had to keep going right and it was just about yeah. survival and it was really only until my 20s um, because you know my mother was the kind of person who really gave me that those solid values of you know she was the kind of person I grew up hearing all the time from the time I was seven never rely on a man, always have your own money. And she right. was the kind of person who was very entrepreneurial. So it's, it all kind of feeds into that, right? So she was entrepreneurial. She was recruiting me for all the things she did, like all of her side hustles. Back in the 70s, we called that <laughs> recruiting. But it was really, child labor laws are not what they are. That's what I can <laughs> so anyways, you know, inadvertently, she prepared me for, you know, being someone who, knew how to maneuver like self-employment and, and working Amazing. through jobs and knowing how to take care of myself. Cause that, that was definitely the values she instilled, but like most women in most households, Canadian households and households everywhere is we didn't talk about money. 
Right. Right. So that's yeah. all I wanted to do. She had a very strong immigrant work ethic. I yeah. that working hard was the plan, right? So yeah. I knew how to do that. And it was only in my 20s when I got my first full-time job and got downsized for my first full-time mm. job. Like one job, what a revolution. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. And um, at that point, I, I had been around um, 26 and getting a package from my first full-time job. And the same friend I shared a bed with in, in my teens were like still like one of my dearest friends in life. Yeah. She was like, you know, you have, and I was squirreling away because they had the company I worked for had like a, a pension plan, a stock options, oh, yeah. everything. And I was a really good saver and I was always worried. So I was maxing everything out. So I built up a bit of a nest egg yeah. while I was there, right? And amazing by 26. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So she was like, you should talk to a financial advisor about all of this since you're leaving the company. And I'm like, what? What's that? And mm. so um, she she directed me to an advisor and um, I phoned her, happened to be a her, which was a hugely rare thing. I was going to say back then, that would have been, wow. Back 25 years ago. Yeah. And Black female. No less. Wow. A unicorn back 25 years ago. I was going to ask you, are there any women along your journey who've inspired you? There's one right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, here we are sitting down and I'm actually having, and it took all the way to age 26 to have my very first money conversation with anyone. So here she is. So little black girl working three jobs, never <laughs> did anything but knew how to work. Hustling, she's like, you know, yeah. You know, hustling. And she's yeah. like, you know, you know, you can make money work for you. Like this is something that people should know, all know how to do. We shouldn't just work and have money pass through our hands and mm-hmm. not be the person benefiting from our money, putting our money to work, employing our money. Here are these concepts that she's talking about. My mind is exploding. But that's so important for our listeners to hear is that money can work for you. Yeah. Everybody thinks I work hard, work hard, work hard, yeah, get money. Can we switch that around yeah. and have the money work for you? That's a whole different ballgame at that point. That's it. So I had an epiphany. Yeah. In that moment. Like, yeah. Seriously, I had an epiphany. I was like, I'm 26 years old. I've spent the last 10 years of my life working really, really hard, worrying, all of this, right? Like all the hustle and the survival mode, right? And hand to mouth. And I'm like, I don't want the next 10 years or however many years I have on this earth. And, you know, I saw my mother pass away young. Like, I don't want my life to look like that. Like, I don't know how much time. Like, what do I need to do? I'm like, what do I need to do to have money work for me? Like, teach me. I want to learn everything. Because when I left that job, I, I was planning on going on a completely different tra- trajectory. I was going to go to, you, you know, um, I was going to go to journalism school. Sure. I was going to be a journalist. I was going to do all of that. Yeah. And this completely stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, I need wow. to learn about this because this is something no one's ever talked to me about. And I need to get this right because I, I just don't want to live like this anymore. So that and was you had how- you had been doing it in the best way you know how just purely on survival. Now you were going to get smart about it. So what what I say to women all the time, and I tell this story to women all the time, is the the reason that I've been able to master this is I've been doing this longer. That's it. I'm not special. (laughs) I'm really not special. I've just been doing this longer. So I've built up my net worth, my seven-figure net worth, because I've had more time to do it. 
And right. I had all this, I had this trial by fire training where I was already good on the cash flow management side. And that's still something sure. that my practice focuses on is helping people cash flow manage, right? I'm really mm. resourceful. These are the these are my superpowers because I've been doing it for myself forever. Right? right. Yeah. So I, you know, I know how to, you know, make money come out of nowhere, but I never knew how to make money grow. Right. Oh, and, I, like, when you said money comes out of nowhere, my brain went to, you know, my parents are like, money doesn't grow on trees. I'm like, you yes. said, how, how do we make it grow? What no, happens? No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just moving money around, right? Like yeah. Peter to pay Paul. Like I'm really good at just figuring out how to make like cash flow work. Right. Okay. Like, how do I do cash flow work? I yeah. do a lot of tax planning and cash flow work in my practice to come up with money using the money that you have. But, but the other Part of the balance sheet is making the money actually grow, making money, come up, having money, you know, increasing your cash flow is one thing, right. but also building investments so that they can grow and, you know, creating passive income streams, doing all of these things are some of the things I happened to learn and wanted to, you know, became really passionate about because I needed to do this first and foremost for me. And then, you know, I just came along and realized like how much of a difference that made in my life. And yeah. you know, being able to share that with other women and, and seeing the impact. I mean, I just came off this call before I came on here and talked to a client who thought he had to work another five years um, in his pension, like five years in the in the in the company. He's a university professor. And and I'm like, no, you don't need to. You've got enough money. Like we figured it out. He's like, oh my really? God. Like, yeah. <laughs> so he was like, Jackie, I have to tell you, I'm like retired now. I'm so excited. I just want to thank you. And oh that's my really god! Like best. That's like the best feeling. Wow, that must be incredible. It's incredible. I'm and so blessed with what I do. So you are clearly on your path. This is your passion. It is <laughs> you exude, you know this. Um, for our listeners who don't have any idea how to financial plan. So you've talked about cash flow management and investments. Are those sort of the two foundational elements? How can how can we wrap our heads around I think, those? I think mindset is the first thing, right? Okay. We have to have that confidence and belief that we deserve to actually have money. Mm-hmm. That's a, a big one. Because I think there's a lot of mindset things out there that we learn as a child. You know, sometimes it's just how we're raised to think that money is the root of all evil, that there's 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 an issue with actually having money. So we got to get our mind right. First and foremost, we need to get our mind right and, and really like believe that that's something that we deserve. So my mantra, my personal mantra is um, I love money and love, money loves me because the truth is oh. <laughs> if you don't love money, it will not love you back. If you do not respect money, it will not respect you back. So keep those things in mind. Money could be your enemy, your frenemy, or it could be your friend. Like what relationship do you want to have with money? That is so powerful because that is true for everything in your life is about mindset and about how you attract sort of what your mind puts out there. So I love your mantra. (laughs) I love money and money loves me because you have to actually believe that you deserve, you know, that money, that abundance, that everything. That's right. That's right. Cause then you start acting, interacting with the universe accordingly. Right. Wow. Yeah. And you know, you hear that conversation a lot, like, you know, you have to love yourself and believe in yourself. Uh, we yeah. never oh, hear so about that in terms of money. 
Like nobody has ever put that in that context before in my world. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, so. which is why you should know that the average millionaire, like somebody who just becomes an instant millionaire, will yeah. lose it in five years because they did not have the right mindset around them. How do you, how do you Amazing. lose the million dollars? If you've gotten this money, how does that just pass through your hands unless right. you're not in the right relationship with money? Right. Relationship with money. Okay, so tell me how you're we build all in a relationship with money, okay. ask yourself what relationship with money are you in? How do you answer that? Like, I, I don't, I wouldn't be able friend. to articulate. It's your foe. It's, you know, so that's why it's all about that same law of attraction. Okay. Um, it's your friend. It's your foe. It's the, um, the thing that you trust and that trusts you. So it's really all about that law of attraction. As I said, it could be your frenemy. Like something you feel, it could be, uh, I think I made this joke on a recent podcast. It could be like that ex-boyfriend you're still chasing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Are you're you like chasing oh, it? Girl. Yeah. You're chasing it. You're chasing it. Yeah. Because then you'll make almost irrational decisions. You'll go and well, grab whatever the quickest opportunity exactly. is. See what I mean when I'm saying how yes. you with yes. money and interact in a relationship, right? Okay. Depending on how yeah. you feel about it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing is um, if you're, you know, I think you got to take stock on what you do well okay. around money because everybody does something well. I mean, I was talking to you about that, you know, I'm I'm feel really gifted. It's my superpower. Like I said, I can make money yeah. come out of nowhere. People yeah. are like, oh, it's horrible, it's terrible. I'm like, it's not that bad. <laughs> Watch me work my magic. <laughs> yeah, just because I've seen it all, right? At this right. Point. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, it's not that bad. I'm, and and really, it's kind of nice to say to people, you're richer than you think, and there's a way. Mm. And we just have to decide on what decisions we need to make. Right. Right. So it's figuring out what you're good at. Right. Where you need help. Okay. And where you can still learn. Like everybody should decide each year. This is a decision I'm going to make. I want to learn X around my finances. I'm going to explore one area. So it's not intimidating, right? Okay. Bite-sized pieces, you mean? Bite-sized pieces. What can I learn this year around money? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because truthfully, it's going to be something you're going to have to keep up to date on all the time. I mean, I'm in the field of finance and constantly I'm learning stuff and there's so much to learn. And I write, speak about money all the time. I'm interacting with money all the time, but there's always so much to learn. So you just have to decide where, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And what, you know, what, where am I going to get help? How am I going to get help? So if my weaknesses are, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I've got a good handle on my debt. That's a big one for women is Uh, because again, we don't earn as much. So we tend to take on more debt, right? So how do I get my debt under control? Should yes. you see a financial planner and, you know, put some kind of debt repayment plan? Is that something you're prepared to do on your own and get help, get resources so you can get control of that? The most important thing is to make a decision. Right. About because I find okay. that people weigh and wait in their head and they turn it around in their mind. A year could pass, two years could pass. That debt, it, like it's silently growing. And that's mm. not the part of the balance sheet you want to build, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? It means the debt's growing. Not your money, not your investments, but yeah. your debt. What's that right. doing to your net worth? It's reducing it, right? Right. 
and debt can be leveraged to do other things also. Yeah, but I guess yeah. that comes eventually. That's it. So here's one of my you know top 10 money lessons, right? Is I, I love talking about the rule of 72 and the multiplier effect of money. Okay. And kind of is about if you divide any interest rate into 72, it will take tell you how long it's going to take for that interest rate to double. Sorry, for that amount that you've borrowed or earned to double. So let's okay. say, for example, I'm I'm earning 10% in an investment. Sure. I'm that investment is going to double in 7.2 years if I average a return of 10%. Okay. However, that also works the same if I owe. Um, 10% on an about. Right. Looking minimum payments, that's going to double in 10 years. Sorry, in seven years. So you're not even paying down your debt. It's just growing. Yeah. So you're just making making minimum payments in 7.2 years. Yeah. That debt's going to double. Wow. That's not what you want to happen with your, in, you want that, you want no. the doubling in your investments. In your you investment, doubling, not on the debt. You don't want the doubling in your debt, right? Right. So consider this uh, mantra. She who earns it, sorry, she who knows earns it. She who doesn't pays it. Mm. She who knows earns it. She who doesn't pays it. Yeah, that's what you want to make on an investment. Not Got what you it. want to pay Right. Right. That's how you're going to grow your net worth. Absolutely. God. So for, for women or anyone um, out there who truly have no idea, like, okay, I get the concept. I need to change my mindset. I'm hearing a conversation about debt and investments and interest and all of these things, but like that, I, I think there's going to be a bit of fear and a bit of a barrier in terms of where where do I even begin? Because this could feel very overwhelming. So how how do I know what I'm good at or not good at if I have no la- no money language in my life? Yeah, I mean the, the third part is seek help, right? If if you feel okay. like okay. you want to, if you feel like you want to sit down with someone, make sure it's someone who has the credentials of a, a financial planner. So if you're not sure who you're sitting in front of, ask them what credentials do they have and what do they mean? Okay. How do they help? How do they add value? So you can, you know, and then also probably the single most important thing um, is gut check. So if Mm. if you're, first of all, seek out someone that you feel you can trust, ask for referrals. Typically I find that people come to me either through something like this, like marketing, what we're doing now or referrals and, and, at the end of the day, though, it's all about fit. So if you're sitting with a planner and you need help and you want someone to walk you through, it's kind of like anything, right? You can do it yourself or you can get someone to kind of guide you. And if you. you're intimidated and you don't feel like you're going to do it alone, no different than if somebody says, you know what, I'm going to sleep in today because I need a coach who needs to say, Jackie, are you at the gym at, you know, I'm meeting you at the gym <laughs> at seven. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you're someone who needs that kind of accountability and you want someone to guide you, that's what a financial planner is for. That's what the that's the role. But at the end of the day, you you have to feel like you're with someone that you trust, that has the credentials, that you feel comfortable going into all of your financial truths with, because yeah. it's yeah. an intimate relationship. 
sitting yeah. down with a planner. And that's one of the reasons I call myself a financial confidant because oh, I like there, that. there's two parts to this whole process. One is one of the, one of them is I need to feel confident that you know what you're doing, that you know your shit. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so a, a confidant can't just be someone that you feel comfortable talking with. They need to right. know what they're doing. They yeah. need to show how they demonstrate, how they add value. Yeah. They need to talk about, um, be transparent about how they get paid. I charge fees to do financial planning. Of course. Differs, and, you know, we go through the whole package. You need to feel like you sit down with somebody and they walk you through their whole process. They can give you references about yeah. people they dealt with. Yeah. Like those, those kinds of things. Social proof are on their website. You feel at the end of the day that, you know, at you, they have all that and you feel comfortable. Absolutely. So that's the confidant piece, the confidence piece and the confidant piece. Feel confident in the person and, and then feel comfortable with the person. So it all really comes down to what you said in the beginning, which is your own mindset and making the decision that you're going to make this change in your life. And then and the day, nothing happens unless you, you make a decision. Yeah. And then it's, time. you know, people are always looking for, tell me the five steps of this yes. or that. But it sounds like it's almost like a fingerprint, like everybody's unique and you have to figure out your own journey to it. The elements will be similar. The elements, the process will be similar, but how you get there will be very different. Very different. But but have the end of the day, you need to have a financial money conversation first and foremost with yourself. Yes. Right? The number one person in your life. Yes. You. Yes. yes. And, yeah. and then it's, it's so, and that conversation is around, as I said, you know, what, what's true about my circumstances? What am I doing well? Where do I need help? What do I want to see happen in my life? What's been, what's really preventing me from getting there? And what are the opportunities that are available to me that I haven't yeah. thought about? And these are some of the things that you can delve into more with, you know, an advisor. Uh, but okay. you kind of want to start with yourself. So that, you know, you're not sitting there and you're like, you feel like overwhelmed. I think always a good, a good way to know if you're in the chair of somebody good is I always sort of liken it to the vulnerability I feel around technical stuff. I'm not a car person. So if I sit with a mechanic and they're talking in this foreign language about all the different things they did to my car, and none of those things make sense to me because they're like, you know, technical and they get into all of that and really... All I care about is, was this fixed? And if I go on the road, if I decide to, to take a trip, you know, across the border, yeah. is it going to stop on me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and and explain to me why you charged me, why you did what you charged me, what you did, because you X did X, Y, Z. Yeah. You don't have to go into all the details, but you just want to walk me through the process. So I feel like you're being transparent with me. And that's, a, that's such a great analogy. I was just thinking about like, you know, the car, the mechanic, the expert will make sure everything, well, yes, but everything functions correctly. But I, I drive that car. I take care of it and I take it wherever it's going to go. That's I'm exactly in the driver's right. seat, right? That's so right. that's kind of the relationship that, that's, uh, right. that's great. And, well, it, and it, it really is, um, you know, that mindset shift Mindset shift. Mindset shift is very important. And I think about sort of my own journey with my finances. You know, I've I've been on a journey of learning about them myself. And I it's as much as you want to understand the technical side, there you need somebody who will be able to support you on a more emotional level too. Cause I remember the first time 
I sat down to talk with my financial advisor about my retirement plan. And I was on my own. And it was all about like, how am I going to take care of myself? And I just, I got pretty emotional about it because I never pictured retirement by myself. That's it. And the journey that I've gone on now, I'm like, I'm a badass. I can take care of myself and I'm going to plan everything. And my life is going to be great because I've got that sort of sense of control. I know we never actually have control over anything, but (laughs) you you have a plan. You have a plan and you do the best you can. So right. you, you control the variables to, to, to the best that of your abilities can. that you can. Yes. Yes. And so I think that's really important. And like, and I love the word that you use financial confidant because you have to trust this person wholly and completely in terms of like exposing every part uh, of your absolutely. life. <laughs> absolutely. So you want to do that knowing you're sitting with somebody competent, right? Yes. Yes. That's the confidence. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I, I think you, you you break it really down really beautifully, which is it is an emotional thing yeah. to put your soul around your finances. So just choose it wisely. And mm-hmm. you know, the, the truth, the truth about you know mechanics and, and just that whole analogy for me is that sometimes um, in our industry, it's really easy to get lost in the weeds. Like we can feel really good about you know digging deep into that technical side. But at the sure. end of the day, we just have to remember who our audience is. Yes. Yeah. Like they don't care because, you know, I may never embrace understanding the, all of the nuances to my vehicle, to the way, and, and be passion, as passionate about it as my mechanic is. Nor that, should you have to be. Some <laughs> people do, but that's not yeah. me. Sometimes there's YouTubers who are going to do all of the stuff on right. their car and more power to them. They're do-it-yourself investors, more power to them. But yeah. that's just who I am. There are other things I'd rather be doing, like sleeping, spending time <laughs> right. with family, or making yeah. more money. There and you go. And those are my clients, are those people who are like, yeah. Help me understand. Walk me through this because I'd rather yeah. be sleeping, t- spending more time with my family, and making more money. As long as they un- like, as long as they understand everything that's going on, that's they'll be blind exactly. to it, but understand no, no, no. That's it why enough. Well, it's all about the gut check and yeah. and feeling like the person is being transparent with you. And how you know that is they're transparent with you. Their contract explains how they get paid. Yeah, and, you know. You, your gut check is is also there. And then you have social proof as well. So referrals, you know, they have a website, they have credentials, all those things matter. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking quite a bit about like, you know, financial independence for women and when they're single, but when you're in a, in a couple and a family, like, what do you recommend for couples and how they manage? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So it's the same as with um, dealing with, remember we were talking about abdication? Yes. A lot of women say things like, I'm sure you're not one if you're married. Well, my husband takes care of that. Right. I don't know anything about money. <laughs> I care of all of that. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. He's got I'm all good. of it. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Just don't be one of those women. Got it. Um, the, the reality is that women who, first of all, um, and this is what my book helped me to understand, that the research says women who didn't plan to be financially single or kept in the loop, understood, you know, to take the reins of their finances themselves, mm-hmm. financially did poor when things fell apart. So, um, for example, you should know that the average age of a widow is age 58. 57. Oh, my God. The average age of a widow. Really? Wow. Yeah. So 
that was one of the biggest shocks when I did the book um, yeah. was that, that 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 was the average age of a widow. That seems so young. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine if you were one of those women who just thought, yeah, somebody's going to deal with it. And then the person passes away. You don't know where the finances are located. Yeah. How much money we actually have. You don't know right. where the debt is the mortgage paid off. I just sort of didn't pay attention to all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. How do you think someone like that's going to fare? Often they're finding out some really hard truths in that moment. So you don't want to be one of those women. You want to be kept in the loop. You want to have money conversations. You want to do annual family meetings, set an agenda where you guys look at the money and you understand what's happening with the money and you plan, you, you make, you set goals. It can be a date, a date night, right? It could be yeah. every, every um, you know, every holiday we spend one day where we have, you know, we talk about money, we set an agenda, we talk about the things we want to do next year. Uh, and I'm happy to share the resource with you of what an, a financial agenda for a couple would look like. They oh, put cool. their okay. numbers together, they would put their, you know, debt together. Um, they look at what they have in terms of risk management, insurance, what do they have in place? What do they need? What are yep. things, what are financial decisions or financial um financial goals are going to have next year that's going to impact their service. So they're having these kinds of conversations. And sometimes these are some of the, these are some of the conversations I'm facilitating as well with couples. Right. It's just helping them have those facilitating those money conversations that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's intimidating for them to have. Of course, it's another sort of complication and dimension to the depth of that relationship. Yeah, because here's the thing. Another thing that's happening now is that, you know, people are going into second marriages, third marriages. Women are are starting their careers later, having children later. And so they're coming into relationships with their own money. So if you're coming into a relationship, it's not like getting married in your 20s and nobody has money, right? And getting married in your 30s, 40s, I'm seeing this more and more, is that people are coming into relationship with money. And, And here's the thing, right? We know women live longer. Yeah. You know that you make less. Um, all of those things mean you need to be careful with your money, right? Because if something goes wrong, you're more likely to be impacted. So yeah. how do you breach conversations like prenups? Mm. Within mm-hmm. You know, what's happening is I'm finding more and more clients are turning to me to help them facilitate those conversations. See, that's another thing, like as a confidant, that's the trust and that's the relationship. Oh, that you have like, to build. <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> you're like, can you help us? We have this conversation. Yeah. And you know, and, and I, I actually think if you if you want to have a healthy relationship with money, you need to have these conversations and a healthy relationship with your partner. You yeah. have uh, these conversations on a regular basis with your partner. You need to do it right from the beginning of the relationship. In Absolutely. fact, it's to me a huge red flag if you guys mm. talk about money. So just keep that in mind, right? It's to yeah. me, being financially intimate is actually harder for a lot of people than being intimate. Right. Yeah. It's like so, it's considered a taboo thing for some reason. That's it. So yeah. I'm like, get financially naked. Yeah. Yeah. Get financially <laughs> naked. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's just as important and it's going to actually set the tone for the relationship. So yeah. having those conversations, however you do it, whether it's an annual meeting where you discuss finances, you facilitate that with a partner. The key yeah. is, is really getting that conversation started, um, because, as I said, the facts do not bear well for women who did not expect to men, you know, to manage finances on their own. Same is true for divorce. Um, yeah. Women who are divorced are three to five times more likely to end up in poverty. 
after a divorce, especially with wow. children. Especially with children. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's not the fairy tale we, we would expect yeah. it to be, right? So again, this is why coming into the relationship with a prenup, postnup, talking about money, staying in the loop. So even if you're, you know, in, in relationships, there might be one person that's managing the household and the other person's managing the finances. That's fine. There's no judgment there. It's just, do you know what's going on with that side of the balance sheet? Is the person Again, that a, transparency, right? Like yeah, that understanding. Right. It's yeah. the same thing, right? Do you know if they're doing a good job just because they're doing it? That doesn't mean they should. <laughs> yeah. You don't know that unless you're in the loop, right? Yeah. So how do you broach this conversation with kids to it and make sure that they are educated about money and that they know how to talk about it when they reach the point where they're getting into their own oh, I think I think I used to run a financial literacy uh, program for use like oh. young kids. and yeah. the truth is kids are hungry for these kinds of conversations right they okay really want to know the earlier you start talking about it the more transparent you are um, I came from a family where we, we talked about money from a cash flow perspective. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've often said in, in in other podcasts that, you know, my mother was not the kind of mom who was ashamed of saying that she didn't have it. She didn't have the money to pay for it. She's like, we can't afford it. Yeah, like- <laughs> I, I don't feel like I'm traumatized by that. Right. Okay. Um, so I, I think, I think having conversations about money, because sometimes I feel like this generation, our generation we so much want to please our children. We don't want them to, we want to shield them from a lot. And mm. I get that, especially yeah. if we've been traumatized by our own childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, um, you're not doing your kid a favor because if, if they need to learn about cash flow and limits and how to do budgeting down the road, best to actually have them, you know, you're at the dinner table, you're talking about the family budget, grocery shopping, all of those things. Yeah. And you expose your kids to these things early and often. Um, make sure they feel like money is a limited resources that they need to understand how to make the most of it. Money has the power. real value of money. Real value. Yeah. Like, again, if, if you don't teach kids how to respect money, then they won't respect it. Right. So you're teaching them how to be in a relationship money by how you it, it actually relate to money yourself. So you're setting them up with that mindset yeah. or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's what they see and sometimes and it's what you do. So it's, it's just, it's just immersing them with, with that knowledge by having, you know, conversations around money that are healthy. So you're talking about money. You're not putting, you know, not attaching anything, but you're giving them those tools. If they yeah. see you learning about money, then yeah. they will learn, right? And, you know, the whole thing I was going to say about this one financial literacy course I ran in Jane and Finch with these, you know, young kids who, you know, were in at-risk neighborhoods and we were having money conversations the very first um, lesson that I did for the six-week program, we talked about, you know, needs and wants, right? And, yeah. You know, what does that mean? So there was this one little girl in the program that I had uh, asked, the, I'd asked the question to everybody. I said, what's the difference between a need and a want? Oh. And this is for grade six, grade seven, grade seven, right? And so yeah. the little, one little girl um, put her hand up and and she said, I know, I know, Miss Porter. And I said, okay, what's the difference between a need and a want? And she said, you know, a, a want is something you really, really want. And a need is something you really, really need, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> she said, That's brilliant. I, I, that's exactly what I said. I said, you know, don't feel bad. This is how a lot of people feel. 
And so anyway, she was amazing. She was one of my best students. I love it. <laughs> whole cash flow management. And truly, these kids were captivated. They were so excited to the point where their parents actually set, step, set aside, like stepped aside. Sorry, they, they, they came to me and pushed, pulled me aside and said, what are you doing to our kids? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> they're like, you know, now when I go to the grocery store or I go to the mall, the kids are like, the different parents of different moms are like, they're like, mom, is that a need or a want? <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love it. <laughs> they're hungry. They yeah. are hungry the information. And the mm-hmm. sooner you start like showing, you know, a positive reinforcement around that, like showing them that it's okay to talk about money, then they're okay yeah. talking about money. They see you learning, they will want to learn. And yeah. if they see you trying to become confident, they'll want to become confident. So just think about it. the money memories that you're you're creating, either consciously or unconsciously. Right. You're actually teaching them how to build their own relationship with right. money. And it sort of right. all comes full circle to what you said in the beginning, which is like, fix your mindset or decide what your mindset is going to be for money. And I just, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that I've learned just in this conversation is that you actually have a relationship with money, but it's not, it's always a, it was always a thing. Like money is just this thing. It's a tool. It's a whatever that, but I never actually thought about my relationship with it in those, in those terms. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, it it all comes back to that. It all comes back to, you know, what kind of, what kind of relationship do you want to cultivate? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to steal your mantra of, uh, I love money and money loves me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to use that oh, now. Right. Take it over, Attracts the abundance. Attracts Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because do. it really is, um, you know, something that will enable you to live the life that you're trying to build for yourself. So it's, it's an enabler. That's how I think about it. No, I, I, absolutely. And like I said, I mean, um, you're talking to someone who didn't grow up with a silver spoon in her mouth. So right. I'm not yeah. Uh, with magical thinking. Yeah. Um, but on some level, I, I I was like, I deserve better. I don't want to work this hard. This You're looking at someone who used to like hustle bus bus transfers just to get from place to place, right? Like right. transfers from like five days before, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. to, just to get by and do whatever I need to. And so I know what it's like to hustle, but it doesn't have to be that way. And you do need to make your mind up. That's amazing. And you, you need to write it down. Write it down. Yes. Yeah. Like, what do you want your life to actually look like? Mm. Write it down. And then this is the enabler that will get you there. And Love then it. take action. Write it down and then take action. Whatever that taking action looks like for you. Either, you know, working on some of these things on your own, getting help if you don't feel comfortable doing that. But don't stay in your head because nothing changes there. Right. Don't stay in your head because nothing changes there. I love it. Yes. Yes. And it's almost like, don't even think about it as a financial plan, thinking about it as a life plan. It is a life plan. That's why we, in our, in the book, Single by Choice or Chance, we call it creating your life plan. Oh, really? (laughs) Creating a life plan, loving the life you're leading, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I know I have learned a tremendous amount from you just in this conversation. Is there Anything else, any nuggets of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners before uh, we wrap up for today? 
Um, you know what? I think probably the most important thing is don't compare yourself to what anybody else is doing. Oh, yes. I think, I think that's the most crucial thing, right? Like focus on the things you want to do because as, as you were saying before, and I think it's really important is everybody's circumstances are a little bit different. And, and so it's just about you making a change for yourself, improving your circumstances, even if it's incremental, it doesn't have to look like anybody else's. And, and I think sometimes social media can be detrimental because you, you might see people out there looking like they're living their best life. Right. And because I get the opportunity to look under the hood of a lot of people's finances, mm-hmm. what I know from social media and people who, you know, spend money on things that actually don't go up in value, like boats, cars, vacations, yeah. um, they're broke. <laughs> so right. you don't need to worry about what they're doing because you don't necessarily know what their circumstances look like as intimately as I do. Right. And, and, and truly, um, at the end of the day, you have to focus on what you value, not what other people know. I think what's amazing about this conversation is that so much about the relationship you have with money is related to that mindset. And I think, you know, during COVID and all of this, it's been a really hard time for people in terms of their mental health, in terms of comparison, in terms of depression and isolation and all of these things. Um, But the same thing that applies to sort of, you know, your life applies to money, which is why it sort of ties in together with this life plan. Um, And all the the healthy choices for your own well-being relate directly to that relationship that you have with money. A hundred percent, right? And I, I say to people, if, if it's difficult for you to envision what you want, create a vision board. Like vision yeah. board for financial goals <laughs> too, right? Yeah. Put it, on, put it on your fridge to motivate you because sometimes it's kind of like going on a diet. It mm. sometimes gets hard to stick to the plans that you have. But if yeah. you actually have things that will motivate you, that will excite you, that's what it's worth doing it for. Right. So it's like, oh, I like ice cream. So the, the, the thing I want is a picture of myself in the bathing suit I bought last year. Well, <laughs> so having a picture of me in the bathing suit that I, the pre-COVID, yeah. you know, on the fridge, yeah. it's kind of like, do I really want to get the ice cream out of the fridge? What could this do to my plan? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just have a little spoon of ice cream. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do that and look at yourself, your pre, like my pre-COVID self. And go, oh, dear. <laughs> we're all in the same boat there. We sit for way you. too long during I'm COVID. Like, maybe Let not that ice cream or that cookie. You know what? I got it on the This is me living the best life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So create something for yourself. What's living your best life? Like what would make it all worth it for you? That's it. And that's why it's not helpful for you to look at somebody else's life. 100%. And that's the core of everything. What's your best life going to be? Who are you uniquely going to be in this world? And how you bring that to life and build your relationship with money along the way. <laughs> that's actually the, the perfect way to put it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. I was very excited about this conversation and you did not disappoint. I've learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did too. So Thank you very much for your time and for, you know, being with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs>